0: So what comes to mind when you hear that word church or, or what, what feelings are evoked when you hear that word church, because for some of you, that word church might, might elicit a emotional response, but either way, whatever you think or feel when you think or feel about church is, is probably very different from the early church. Because since the beginning of the church, the church has always been a movement. There were no pews to sit in. There were no Bibles, no offering plates, no bands or choirs or banners or steeples or buildings or staff from the very beginning. The church has been a movement and a movement that was launched from an event in history. That event being The death of Jesus. And then three days later, when he rose from the dead. See, it was the resurrection of Jesus that galvanized these early followers of Jesus to do something, to create a movement that is called the church. And what does a movement do but move? And by the grace of God, may the church continue to move today. And so today I'm going to take you to a story in the book of Acts that was a catalyst for this Jesus movement. But before we get to that, I I need to help us locate ourselves uh, within the greater story of scripture. You see, after Jesus rose rose from the dead, he spent some time with his disciples, talking to them. And before he left them, he gave them some very important, very specific instructions, he says this in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus said, rather you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. And that word witness in the original Greek language is marturas. It could be transliterated into martyr, the English word that we have. A witness is a martyr. A martyr is someone who suffers because they advocate, renounce, reject, refuse. That's the kind of witnessing that Jesus is speaking of. It's not just witnessing through our words, though that is very important. Being a witness, being a martyr, means that it will cost us something that it is a full bodily act. That's the kind of witnessing that Jesus calls his first disciples to what Jesus calls us to today. And so what did these followers of Jesus do after he gave them these instructions to be his witnesses? Well, it says this in Acts chapter two, when Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. They were doing the exact opposite of witnessing. They, they weren't witnessing, they were, they were hiding, they were sheltering in place in the upper room. But then look what happens. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard the sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed saying, look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans? Every one of them. How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Perinthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them saying, they're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man whose credentials God proved to you through miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him among you. You yourselves know this. In accordance with God's established plan and foreknowledge, he was betrayed. You, with the help of wicked men, had Jesus killed by nailing him to a cross. God raised him up. God freed him from death's dreadful grip, since it was impossible for death to hang on to him. David says about him, I foresaw that the Lord was always with me because he is at my right hand. I won't be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my body will live in hope because you won't abandon me to the grave nor permit your Holy one to experience decay. You have shown me the paths of life. Your presence will fill me with happiness. Brothers and sisters, I can speak confidently about the patriarch David. He died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this very day. Because he was a prophet, he knew that God promised him with a solemn pledge to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Having seen this beforehand, David spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he wasn't abandoned to the grave, nor did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up. We are all witnesses to that fact. He was exalted to God's right side and received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, he poured out the spirit and you are seeing and hearing the results of his having done. So David didn't ascend into heaven yet. He says the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right side until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. May we come to know God better through the reading, hearing, and understanding of scripture, amen. And so what exactly happened on this day, this first Pentecost day? And why is it so important in the story of scripture? Because it it can be a little confusing. I, I know that that was a lot to take in there. I mean, in fact, even some people who were there in the crowds, they didn't get it. They thought that these early disciples were, were drunk. But essentially, this was God's movement to recreate and reorder the world, to turn it back from chaos into beauty. You see the Holy Spirit that that filled that room that the disciples were hiding in. It, it says that it was like the howling of a fierce wind. And that word wind in the original Greek could also be translated as spirit or as breath. And so what we see happening on this first day of Pentecost is the exact same thing that happened on the first day of creation, that in the beginning of the story of scripture, it begins with, with God's wind, God's spirit, God's breath hovering over the dark and formless, chaotic void that we now know as our world. God's breath swept over the chaos, and creation began to become ordered. That before there was heavens and earth, before there were animals to roam the land, before trees shot up from the ground, there was God's breath, active and moving like a fierce howling wind throughout the world. And then came humans. And it says in the story that that God formed humans out of the dirt, the dust of the ground, formed it into an image of God, and then God breathed life's breath in, and it became a living being. On Monday, May 25th, police officers took away that divine breath from Mr. George Floyd by kneeling on his neck. The neck in the Old Testament understanding of anatomy is where the place where the soul of a person resides. And so when we heard Mr. George Floyd cry out, I can't breathe. Your knee is on my neck. It's also a way of saying, I can't breathe. Your knee is on my soul. He cried out while being pressed into the ground, into the dirt from where he and all of us were created by God in God's image. And on that day, what God created, tragically was undone. Peter quotes the Old Testament prophet Joel in his sermon. When God says through the prophet Joel, After that, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone, everyone. All lives deserve the spirit. All lives deserve to breathe. George Floyd deserved to breathe. Black lives deserve breath. Black lives in our nation have struggled to breathe with the knee of oppression racism and white supremacy on their necks, on their souls for too long. And so what is, what has struck me about this story of the early church this week? What has struck me about this story of the early church mobilized by the empowering breath of God is that we are all bound together by the same spirit. It says that that when the Holy Spirit filled these early followers of Jesus, that they were then able to speak in different languages that they had never learned before. And through that, the Holy Spirit joined people together who otherwise would not have been joined together. It was a holy joining by an act of God. From day one, from day one, the church the movement of God has been multiracial, multi-ethnic, multilingual. And what bound them together was the spirit, the very breath of God. And as Paul, a, a later follower of Jesus, said to one of these new Jesus movement communities, he said, "When one member of the body hurts, we all hurt." Friends, our black siblings are hurting right now. Hurting from systematic racism in our unequitable society. And if we truly are all bound together by the same spirit, then the liberation of all of us depends upon one another. Church, we need Pentecost. Pentecost. We need the breath of God today. We need God's creative and life-giving breath to be blown throughout our world anew, to be blown throughout our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities, to be blown throughout our schools and our workplaces and our governments and our courthouses. We need God's breath to fill every square inch of this world. And when that happens, When that happens, we will speak a new language, a language that is our mother tongue, but we have lost it ever since we left the Garden of Eden. It's a language of justice, a a language of freedom and equity. And Christians, especially my white Christian friends, We need to learn this language if we have not done so already. And I'll be the first to confess that I am not fluent in the language of justice and freedom. It is a language that I have not had to use in my privileged position. I still misspeak. I'm still trying to learn it. But we have to speak up. Because to be a follower of Jesus, to be Jesus' witnesses throughout the world, demands more than just feeling bad when we see injustice. And saying, oh, that's too bad, throwing up our hands and walking away, or remaining silent, being a follower of a crucified and risen Lord demands that we do everything that we can to fight injustice and racism that we have to educate ourselves and educate others on the racial inequality and the cultural misunderstandings that are prevalent throughout our world. We have to lift up black understanding, black voices and minority voices. We need to speak up in those conversations where where the jokes get just a little too colorful or where comments of ignorance or racism are thrown around. That, That cannot be ignored. We have to speak up. Even if it's by somebody that you love, especially if it's by somebody that you love, speak up. And we need to intentionally teach the next generation to be better than all of those who have gone before them. We've come a long way, but there's still so much work to be done. See the reason why the movement of the spirit, the, the breath of God was poured out on the early followers of Jesus It was all to to recreate and reorder the world, to to bring it back from chaos, back into beauty and peace. See, Peter's whole sermon on that day of Pentecost, the the message that he shared with everyone in that city after he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it was a story of a man who was unjustly executed by the state, as silent bystanders looked on. A man who was killed in the streets of that same city that Peter is speaking in. A man that was hung on a tree on the side of the road as a display of toxic power. A man by the name of Jesus, God's Son. And it says that when the crowd heard Peter speak about these things, they were deeply troubled and they asked Peter, What should we do? Peter says, Repent. Change your minds. Change your lives. Seek forgiveness for your sins. Be saved from this perverse generation, this corrupt generation that they found themselves immersed in. Change your hearts. Change your minds from every perversive and corruptible thing that you have been taught up into this moment. Peter's message is a message for us today as well. A message of repentance on this Pentecost day, 2,000 years later. That we have to repent of our own prejudices, our own injustice, our own complicit consent to corruption in this sin-sick world. And to be silent... To be silent is the antithesis of Pentecost. The question that we have to ask is, is will we be filled with the breath of God or will we restrict that breath? Friends, we have, we have a message of good news. We we have a message of Jesus's gospel. That his account of good news for the entire world. But as Christians, if, if we're honest, we've, we've done a bad job reporting it. Or, or we haven't covered the whole story and captured all of the good news. It seems that Christianity has, has limited this account of good news to just the forgiveness of our personal sins. our our entry into heaven, our personal experience with God. And yes, hear me clear. That is all very true. That Jesus came to forgive your sins and my sins. Jesus came to be God with you and God with me. He came to save you. And he came to save me. But he also did so much more than that. He came to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to bring in the day of God. The gospel really is good news, but it cannot be received if people cannot breathe. 2000 years ago, God started a movement called the church to recreate and reorder the world, to bring it back from chaos into beauty. And when God's breath blows, the world is transformed. Hearts are changed. Everything becomes good. Souls breathe in that divine breath and live again. And the church, the church is the essential vehicle for that movement, that we can co-create the world anew by the power of the spirit of God. Church is a movement pushing the world back in to God's dream. Because there was once a day, the very first day, when God said, it is good. When God looked at everything within the world and declared that it was all very good, just, just imagine that for a moment, because I, I know that it seems like our world right now is a far cry from that. It's hard to imagine a world that is all very good when we see racism and hatred and separation and violence. God's breath God's breath has set the church in motion to do just that so blow blow mighty breath of God let me pray for us Holy Spirit Lord we need you now to set our hearts ablaze with your love. God, to be the church that the world so desperately needs, to be a beacon of of hope, not just hope in, in a vague sense, but to be a beacon of hope that calls for justice, freedom, equality, and equity. God, we need your help. We need to learn a new language, a language that is of your heart, of love and peace, justice and freedom. Lord, speak to us. Breathe within us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.